Amen. You can be seated. Hopefully you brought a Bible, and if you did, would you grab hold of that? Join us this morning. We are in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 on Sunday mornings. That's what we're doing. We're working our way through 2 Corinthians verse by verse. So we find ourselves this morning picking up where we've left off, wanting to connect that and cause it just to land in your life, and we believe that that happens, that one of the things that's going to be really important is it's the Word of God that you'll see. It's the Word of God you'll understand. So again, that's the invitation. Hopefully you got your Bible, you're opening it. If you didn't bring a Bible, there are Bibles in front of you and the chairs are in front of you. Page number on the screen, you can use one of those. Electronic device, you can use one of those as well. We just want one way or another that you would have the Word of God in front of you. That it would be His Word that would speak truth into your life and mine this morning. That's our invitation here. If you're joining us in the overflow or online, it's the same invitation. This is the Word of God. We want to invite you to it and want to invite you to see it, understand it, and that God would speak to you this morning through it. So as we're aiming at that, let's take another moment and pray. I'm going to leave, but I'm hoping you would ask as well, that you would ask God to make His truth just connect to you right where you are, that He would speak to you as if He were just talking to you this morning. Let's ask Him for help in that right now as we just come before Him and present this at His feet. Father, I thank You for this moment. I thank You that You are a God who is good. I thank you for your favor. Thank you for your kindness. And God, in this moment, I'm asking that you would meet us, that in your greatness, in your wonder, in your power and grace and mercy, that you would draw us, that you would cause us to understand what it is you're telling us. You would make it clear, and you'd make it impacting. And think about your word that, Jesus, you just tell us that, that it is your word. And you said if we would abide in it, we would know it. You said it would bring us freedom and it would bring us life. Believe you. And I'm asking for that this morning. I'm asking that you would cause us to be that which connects and stays, works good in us, your truth deep inside of us, changing us from the inside out. Make today a part of that. Help, Lord, right now by your power, by your spirit, to accomplish what only you can. We ask for that together, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do not lose heart. Yeah, that's my encouragement, and that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We've arrived at a section here in 2 Corinthians where that reality, this addressing this space where we can, might find ourselves struggling with losing heart, that he's going to speak to us. And just because we're here, I mean, I just believe in the authority of God's word. I know that just because he placed it before us, it would work good in us and we would need it. And I just believe this morning that would be true. That said, I also wonder if it's not more true in this moment in time than maybe it's ever been before. Well, why would I say that? Well, Jesus tells us. He said in the last days, he begins to describe what that would be like as our world approaches the soon coming of Christ and the difficulties that would be a part of that. I think we're there. I think we're close. And in that description that Jesus gives us in Matthew 24, he said this. He said, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. 
That's a good invitation and instruction for us to think about that he tells us in those days that are preceding the return of Jesus, preceding the very you know, end of time. And he says lawlessness is going to abound, a rejection of God, a rejection of his ways, a rejection of what he is. He says that's going to be growing. That's going to be bigger. That's going to be abounding. Now, I don't know about you, but I find myself thinking that's the world we live in. I think we live in a world where lawlessness is abounding. I mean, we're in the middle of a month that our nation has celebrated rebellion, celebrated, you know, defying God's, you know, plan and purpose for a marriage in ways he's doing it. You live in a state where right now through our referendums and everything that's taking place in the midst of it, we're looking at just things that I don't know how you see it. I mean, sometimes I just find myself reading these things and thinking, have we lost our minds? I mean, it's like, it's crazy how defiant, how rejected we've, we are in this culture, and yet it only seems to be growing. I want to tell you, that's what Jesus said would be coming. He says, lawlessness is going to abound. It's going to get bigger and bigger as they just throw off all restraint, as they throw off, you know, all things that are there. But one of the problems that would happen in that space is Jesus says the love of many will grow cold. He says one of the things that would happen in the midst of that is that we would find our hearts, you know, because of the darkness around us, actually it's as if they're growing cold. We would find ourselves losing heart. So if I'm right, and again, that's, you know, you can kind of process that through on your own, maybe this is more challenging than it's ever been, and it's always been challenging. It's always been challenging. So we find ourselves in a space of needing to think through this reality of losing heart, which is exactly what God's going to talk to us about this morning. Maybe it'd be helpful if we just begin with a simple definition. And I think in one sense, it's probably not needed. You probably would understand it even without the definition. Nevertheless, it might be helpful. So losing heart, it's an idiom. It's an idiom that describes a response that would be something like this, that to begin to feel that one cannot do something that one has been trying to do, to feel like giving up, to lose your confidence, courage, or conviction, to be weary, dispirited, and discouraged. Hey, that's a long definition, but in one sense, it just makes sense, right? I mean, to lose heart is this place where you're looking at something and you find yourself thinking, I don't know if I want to play any longer. I just want to take my toys and go home. I, I feel like giving up. I just feel like, why even, why even try? Like, why? I, I don't even know how I can do this. I don't know how I can move forward. He says, you find yourself there in confidence, courage, and conviction that are supposed to be the undergirding of what we are. They begin to wane. And, and you don't have confidence, and you don't have courage, and you don't have conviction. You begin to feel discouraged. You begin to lose heart. That has always been a problem. But if I'm right, it's more a problem than it's ever been. So we find ourselves needing this morning to hear this, and that's encouraging because that's exactly what he's going to talk about. In fact, we're in a section here in 2 Corinthians where that's going to be a big theme through the entirety of chapter 4, and so we're kind of making a connection this morning, kind of making a connection to where we've been and where this is, so we're actually only going to cover one verse this morning that's going to make that connection and yet begin to help us understand what that looks like. So you got your Bibles there in your hands. Let's read that verse there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. He says it to us this way. Therefore, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, 
we do not lose heart. Hey, that's what we want to think about. In fact, I want to just read it to you one more time. Since we're only doing a verse, not a long verse, it's one that you could almost even just commit to memory right now, which wouldn't be a bad thing. It says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Wow. It's not complicated, right? In fact, in one sense, it's so simple. It's not a complicated verse. It's not something that you would look there and think, I don't know what that's saying. And yet it's so helpful. Let's just take this verse apart piece by piece for a moment, just helping you to kind of take it apart and look at it and then find itself just speaking to your life the way that God would have it to do. So we begin at that first part where he says, therefore, since we have this ministry, who's the we? Who are we talking to in this moment? Well, I want to be honest. Hey, there are some Bible students who look at this and feel that this is kind of a royal we. This is kind of Paul talking about himself and those in his camp. And you know what? Some land there. And if you land there, it would still probably be helpful. But I think it would miss the point. Because I want to tell you that the we here in this text is speaking specifically of Christians, of all Christians. In fact, back up just for a moment to a verse we'll look at more in a moment. There in verse 18, when it says, but we all. We all? Yeah, all. All of us in Christ. And he begins to speak about a, a reality that is ours in Christ. Now, if you're here this morning and not a follower of Jesus, I just want to say again, we're glad you're here. And I'm not trying to make you feel, uh, you know, dissed in any way or, 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 or not just acknowledged. We want to say you're, we're glad you're here, but this isn't you. Like what we're going to talk about this morning doesn't fit you. It can God would draw you into that this morning if you don't know Jesus, and we plead with you to surrender your life to Jesus. But if you are in Christ, if you do know Jesus, if you have been born again, you're a part of this we. So that when he talks about this, he wants to talk about what you and I have. But we, we, yeah, us, as we have noticed, received this ministry. Well, that's what we need to talk about just for a quick moment, because if we don't get ourselves right on this, then we're not going to be able to understand anything else that's here. We have a little bit of a problem. We live in a culture that has taken that word ministry and has singled it down to a singular thing. We talked about this just a couple weeks back when we were there in, in chapter 3, that we've kind of taken the word ministry to apply to only a select portion of people, so that if we use the word minister this morning, and somebody came in the door, and they met you in the hall, and they asked you, hey, where's the minister? You would probably be like, where's Pastor Jim? Like, let me find him for you. Like, you need a minister, I'll get you one. And instead of recognizing, hey, that's actually a term that's meant to apply to all Christians, that we think about what ministry and to minister is, it literally means to serve. That word minister or ministry, it is the, the, the Greek word that is used for a servant, uh, for one who would serve. And so when we think about ministry, what we mean is serving Jesus. So how does that work? Who serves Jesus? Well, certainly it would include those who are in kind of full-time vocational Christian ministry. We would understand that, right? And again, we live in that culture that would kind of say, hey, that is ministry. That's pastors, that's missionaries, and it is. Hey, that's ministry. That's serving Jesus. 
but it would also include those who serve in any other capacity. So those who are serving in children's ministry, those who greeted at the door today, uh, those who are leading in worship. I mean, those who are serving today, that's ministry. In fact, the Bible's really clear. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have part of that. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. Every Christian has a ministry, has something that they are given a gift to do and be a part of the body of Christ. So when we think about ministry, yes, we're talking about that, that every Christian has something that they are called to do in the body of Christ. But if we still only stopped there, it still would be too limited. See, ministry includes not just, you know, that thing that you're gifted and called to do. It includes anything that we do for Jesus. So that's things like, hey, if you're going to pray and you're going to serve Jesus through your prayers and praying for people, that's ministry. Hey, if you're going to share the gospel, telling somebody about Jesus, that's ministry. Hey, you're going to encourage somebody in Jesus' name. That can be, that should be ministry. In fact, it gets a little bit bigger even than that. Ministry is anything that we do for Jesus, that we do in serving him, which is meant to be our lives, that our lives actively lived, doing what we do and saying, Jesus, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. Now, that's a really big picture. In fact, for example, uh, in Ephesians and Colossians, it would tell us that even our jobs so maybe you work an eight-to-five job. I don't know what that would look like in your world. Um, the Bible tells you that you can do that to Jesus, that you could serve him. You could do it and say, God, I'm doing it for you. I'm doing this as if I'm serving you. So I want to, I want to do that. Now, that, that not a guarantee that you're doing that because you've got to do it for him. It's got, God, I'm doing this for you. In fact, Jesus said that if we just give a cup of cold water in his name, we're serving him, and that'll be rewarded. That's, a, that's something we're doing. So ministry is more than, you know, just church. It's more than doing something in church walls. It's something that we do for Jesus. Now, I think about it this way. It may be helpful. In Ephesians, uh, it would unpack it this way. It says that he himself gave pastors for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Without diving into this whole section a little bit more, he speaks more than just pastors. He speaks of church leadership, speaks of apostles and prophets and evangelists, but speaks about those that are given to the church to help the church be what the church is meant to be. And in that list are pastors, and so we're just going to talk about that. He says pastors are given by Jesus for the church to equip them for ministry, to edify the body of Christ. Two things that are mandated of me saying, hey, I want you to edify, build them up, strengthen them, make them stronger, and equip them so that they can do ministry. Again, I just want to make sure you understand that. Because again, even though I've said it, for some of you, you're still going to say, well, ministry is what Jim Jim is doing that because he's standing up here, you know, in front of the people, standing on the stage, you know, holding his Bible, speaking these things. That's ministry. And indeed, it should be. But my job is to give you the help so that when you leave here, you're doing ministry. So to equip you, give you strength so that you can serve him. In fact, it goes on to describe what that would look like. Talks about how we grow up to be more like Jesus, how that if this edifying and equipping would happen, we would be kind of protected. But this whole section ends in one of my favorite pictures where it just says it this way. From whom, that is from Christ, the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying itself in love. It's a pretty cool picture. I don't know if it can even just kind of just get across to you right now. That's God's intention, that every one of us 
would be saying, God, I just want to do what you have for me to do. I just want to be a part of what you have for me to do. And, and, and when that happens, when every part is saying, God, I want to serve you, I want to live for you and, and share and minister, that's a beautiful picture of what we are. That's a beautiful picture of what it is to be uh, a church and be the body of Christ, which is exactly what this is speaking about. So ministry, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. Now, I probably don't need to say this, but I want to make sure I say it. There's not a sense that as we think about this that he's telling us we have all of that. There's not a sense that as he's telling us, hey, that's, that's actually happening. No, that's probably not. It's probably true that we are missing some of what God has for us, but this should come across as an encouragement. It can to tell us, hey, that we ought to be in doing that, that we want to be serving in that, and I hope it comes across such. But the main aim is to help us stay doing it. The main aim in this text is to encourage us not to lose our hearts so that we don't quit, so we don't throw it off, so we don't stop serving, to keep doing all that God has for us. That's where he's going to go with this, and, and that's what it's going to help us understand. So let's think about this a little bit more. Since we have this ministry, the we is you and me. The ministry is serving Jesus. Hey, just to pay attention to each word, having that's possessing. Don't miss how powerful this is to have something. It's not something that's held out as potential. It's not something saying something, hey, that you can do this. He says, you have it. It belongs to you. It's yours. What we're talking about right now is yours in Christ. It's yours. It belongs to us in Christ. We have this ministry. We, we have this space where we get to live for Jesus. And it's this ministry. This ministry, well, you probably are tracking. I mean, if you just kind of think about it in the words, what's this? I mean, what are we talking about? Well, that takes us back to the beginning word that's therefore, that we look at our verse and he tells us this way, therefore, since we have this ministry. Now, if you've been with us so far in our study of, of 2 Corinthians, then maybe even just these words right now will help it just land. If it's new to you, I apologize. You can go back and get some of the previous messages. But I just want you to feel the connection because our verse begins with that word, therefore, which is always one of those connective words that say, hey, because of what we've said here, now we're going to say this. Because of this, this. So we have to kind of say, well, what's, we talk, what are we talking about? Uh, where did we just say? Well, let's look back to where it ended uh, there in chapter 3, verse 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Hey, if you're a follower of Jesus, he's inviting us into this relationship that's changing us from the inside out. We get to this place where we are being changed. Back up a little bit more to verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God, who also made us sufficient as ministers. That's that same word, by the way. That's ministers, that's serving Jesus, which is all of us. We are sufficient as those who serve Jesus, ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Hey, we're not enough in ourselves, but He makes us enough to be able to serve Jesus. We get to serve Him, and that includes everything we just talked about, but so much more. In fact, back up a little bit further. Go to the end of chapter 2. 
Verse 14, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one we are the aroma of death leading to death and the other aroma of life leading to life. Who is sufficient for these things? And we just read it, not us, but he makes us sufficient. Wow. I mean, can you just feel this for a moment? In other words, when we think about serving Jesus, it's much more than just church. We are meant to be an aroma of Christ everywhere we are. We are meant to be those who, everywhere we go, we are this fragrance of Christ, that we are those who are serving Jesus and living for Jesus in such a way that that's drawing attention to Jesus in a powerful and real way. So when we think about what this looks like, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about this place that we have it. Since we have this ministry that is ours in Christ, this is what we're talking about. We have that, which is amazing. And I'm again telling you, it's you. Well, let's think that through. So we know that. We've kind of accomplished the first phrasing of this. Since we have this, we do. Since you and I have this ministry, this place where he wants your life to to make an impact, that we get to serve Jesus. He then ties that to something else that we should understand. As we have received mercy. As we have received mercy. How does that work? I mean, how, how, how has that worked in your life? How is it that we receive mercy? Well, maybe we just begin with a definition of mercy, right? Mercy has the idea of kindness or love that is displayed and given to one who is altogether undeserving, right? I mean, that's what mercy is. When you show mercy, you're, you're showing kindness to somebody who hasn't earned it who doesn't deserve it, who it's not the kind of thing that they, you know, have, have gained as like, hey, I deserve mercy. It's like nobody deserves mercy. That's the idea of mercy. Mercy originates in the giver. Mercy originates in the one who is giving that gift and that mercy we have received. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, that's true because that's how we're saved. I mean, the only way that anybody ever has been or ever can be saved is based on God's mercy. God tells it to us this way. It says in Titus chapter 3, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Wow. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been saved, if the gospel has penetrated your heart and you've been saved and you get this, you didn't earn it. It's not your works. You didn't achieve it. It wasn't something that you gained from your own self-effort. In fact, all of your self-effort has been invalidated by sin so that you would come and say, it's not me. It's God's love. It's his kindness that he gave us Christ, that he washes us and saves us. That's how this works. That's how people get saved. In fact, he said this way in the book of Ephesians, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Wow. It's good news. I mean, it's really is good news, and it's a good reminder. 
so that we would look upon it and say, so how did I get saved? How did I gain that mercy? Did I earn it? No, I didn't earn it. That's Christ. It's Christ who, who, who met me as an unworthy sinner, someone that couldn't have saved myself. I've been met in mercy. I've been met in God's mercy. And in Christ, in connecting me with Christ, he has taken me who was dead and made me alive so that it's grace that changes me. That's true for me. And if you're a follower of Jesus, that's true for you. Now, I would be probably remiss if I didn't just pause and say, maybe you're here this morning and you don't yet know Jesus. This is what you need. It's a weird thing. Like you could come to church and still be trying to earn God's favor. Still be trying to think, well, I'm trying to be a really good person. You know, where do I put my gold star for being at church on Sunday morning? You know, how many of these do I need before I earn, you know, heaven? And you'll never earn it. Like this, you can't, you can't do that here. That's not how this works. If you don't know Jesus, it's God who in his mercy would say, you can't do it. That's why I gave you my son. That's why, why I sent my son to die on the cross and, and, and pay for your sins so that through his death, his resurrection, you could be saved, so that we could be united together with Christ through grace and be saved. And all of that is based on the incredible mercy of God. All of that is based on the incredible great mercy of God and his great mercy. In fact, I think about maybe one of those well-known verses that some of you would even think about when I talk about it. There in the Lamentations that tell us through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Wow. How good this is right now. See, it's just good for you to know it now. When we're thinking about mercy, God's mercies are massive, and they are great, so great, it's like they're brand new every morning. It is impossible. I mean, if you came this morning, and I know probably somebody is like, man, I think I used them all up. <laughs> like, I have, I have exhausted it. Like, I, like they, you know, I mean, surely, it's like, God, well, they were brand new today. Like, you woke up this morning, and it was just, they were all, they're brand new. God's mercies are that good. They are that incredible. They're, they're that space that he is merciful and gracious, and he's inviting us to that. So he's telling us, hey, we have that. Like you and I have this. We have done that, and we have received that mercy. We have gained that, not because we deserved it, but he gave it to us because of who he is. So he's wanting to connect a dot for us right now, that in the same way that you get mercy, it's the same way we get ministry. In the same way that we get mercy, which is, again, if we understand it, we did not deserve it, right? There was not any space in us that deserved it. We come and say, I get mercy because God is merciful. That's, that's the whole merit of this. That's, that's all-sufficient merit that is His, not mine, that would bring me into this so that I could look at this and say, since we have this ministry as, just as, in the same way, we've received mercy. We don't lose heart. Just as we've received mercy, we get this chance to live for Jesus, and it's connected to God's faithfulness. This is a way that he's telling you and I that we can gain this and not lose heart. Now, it probably makes good sense, but I just probably ought to make sure I say it. He's giving this to us to help that. He's telling us, hey, this is a way to fight that. This is a way so that you can fight that space where your heart would find itself growing cold, where it would, maybe through the wickedness of our world because of lawlessness abounding or a thousand other things that war against our heart, you could find yourself saying, hey, here's how I don't do that. Here's how I don't lose heart. 
because he's giving it to us as a way to help us. Now, as we gaze upon this, maybe, maybe it would be helpful for us just to think through right now that that place of losing heart, the struggle's real. It's a very real struggle. I want to think about how to communicate this, and I'm a little bit trying to figure out right words to say it. I want to do so in a way that is honest and and transparent with you, and I just want to step towards it this morning and tell you something that that maybe you know or, or maybe it might be surprising. Like, I really struggle with this. I mean, when we think about the idea of losing heart, I don't want you to think, hey, like he's talking about other people. I want to be honest with you and tell you, hey, this is a real and actually continuous struggle in my life, and I'm a little bit aware that for some of you, that may just come across in an odd way, because for some people, that can be surprising, and they can think about it as as like, well, it shouldn't be that way. In fact, I can remember, it was early on in my Christian life that I was serving, I think I was teaching a Bible study, a home Bible study, and boy, I, I entered into a, a very specific time that just, man, I was losing heart. Man, I just, just courage, conviction. I mean, I just was just, just facing this discouragement over these things. And so there was a guy that was hosting uh, the home Bible study that I was teaching, and it just seemed like a good idea. Like, maybe I should be, like, honest and tell him, hey, like, I'm struggling. <laughs> like, I'm really struggling. Um, and so I kind of tried to explain to him what I was going through, and he looked over at me and said, boy, Jim, if that's your heart, you shouldn't even be teaching a Bible study. Like, if that's who you, if you struggle with this thing, you have no business teaching a Bible study. And I just want to tell you, that was not the most helpful thing to hear. <laughs> like, that was not the most kind of thing. Now, i got to be honest, I, I was at least a little bit, I can still remember just thinking at that moment, I am never talking to you again. <laughs> but having said that, I, I mean, I've kind of just been aware that there are people that hear this and they're going to be like, that just sounds wrong. I mean, I could, you should never have to struggle with that. But I want to tell you I do, but I'm not the only one. In fact, I want to say it carefully. I don't want to say it's 100% because that would probably be wrong. But it's pretty close. <laughs> it's pretty close. That if you're going to serve Jesus, there's a weird battle. There's a weird battle with losing heart that is so normal that just knowing it's normal would probably help somebody here this morning because sometimes we're just not that honest. Sometimes we're just not that honest. And I'm talking to somebody here, and you're like, I'm the only one. <laughs> like, if they knew, like, if they knew that I struggle with this, they would just, I don't know, they would not let me do anything, and yet it's a normal struggle. And I, get it, I just think sometimes it's just nice to know that you're not alone. It's funny, you know, we've kind of made this a constant conversation uh, as, as our church staff, and so it's really common that we're, that we're honest about this. And, and it's going to be honest, um, there's probably not a week that goes by that somebody on the staff doesn't quit or try. Like, they just come in like, I'm done, I'm done, I'm quitting, I'm just, you know. And so at one point, we even kind of took a trash can and put, like, you know, all resignations filed here. You know, just kind of like, hey, just come in and put it in there, just like throw it. But it's kind of funny, but, I mean, we honestly are in this place. In fact, you know, it's not uncommon that we'll even kind of just try to hum, like, the Jaws music. You know, because in our mind, we're thinking of Jonah. It's like, hey, you want to run from God? You know, God can get a big fish, you know. And, and, And yet we say it a little bit in jest, but sometimes it's just nice to know. It's nice to know that you're not the only one. It's nice to know that when we think about this idea, uh, a place where you can begin to feel like, you know, you can't do it. Like, I don't know. I don't know if I can keep doing that. I'm having a hard time. Or you begin to feel like giving up, where you just find yourself thinking, I don't know. How do, how do I keep going? 
How do, I, how do I keep going in this moment? I feel like taking my toys and going home. I feel like I'm lacking courage or conviction and, and, and just confidence is there. I mean, just to recognize that that's not an uncommon struggle. In fact, if we go back to the verse we began with, Jesus seemed to say it would be a more common struggle in these last days than ever before. And yet sometimes just to find out you're not the only one is helpful. I think about David who would write about it a lot in his Psalms in Psalm 42. It would say it this way. It says, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. So it's kind of funny, these little funny verses. If you're not paying attention, David is talking to himself and answering. Um, so he's like, he's like, he's almost like he steps out of his heart and he looks over his heart and says, why are you so disquieted? Like, why are you so depressed? Like, why are you so discouraged? Like, Hoping God already, like, you know, he's kind of like talking to himself. In fact, he repeats it three times in Psalm 42 and 43. Just like he looks at himself and says, why are you that way, heart? Why is my heart, why is my heart disquieted? Like, why are you there? And I just want to tell you, that becomes a very common struggle. In fact, I've kind of discovered that the more you serve God, the more present this is, which is a little bit surprising. I mean, sometimes people think, well, if I just serve God more, that I would overcome. I mean, it would become something less. It seems to be more. Charles Spurgeon would write about it in one of his uh, lectures where he simply said, I am the subject of deep de- of depressions of spirit, so fearful that I hope none of you ever get to such extremes of wretchedness as I go to. I mean, he just talks about it. He talks to pastors, and he writes about it, and if you're interested, uh, it's called a minister's fainting fits. You can find it on the website, or you can find it on the web. Don't look for it right now, but later, a minister's fainting fits, um, but he's just honest, and he says, hey, this is a real deal. Like, we really find ourselves struggling. And I've read through church biographies, I've read through it, and I have discovered that most people that serve God find themselves here. Now, again, for some of us, we understand. I mean no judgment. Some people, uh, very much as a propensity of your personality, which struggle with discouragement. And so it's not a surprise to you. And, and so you just think it's there. There's others of you that just this wasn't really a part of your personality for the most part. But then you start trying to serve God, and lo and behold, it's like, what's that? What in the world is that? Like, how, what's happening in this moment? And I want to help you understand that it's common. And it's a need that you and I have. That he's going to speak into this, how we can find here, and that struggle is a very real struggle. Now, the target here this morning, and in this verse very clearly, is going to be on one aspect that brings about this discouragement, that brings about this place of losing heart, and that's that feeling of unworthiness that he's going to help us kind of deal with, and he's going to help us walk through. It's not the only thing that brings losing heart. In fact, he's going to talk about a number of things in our chapter, but let's just fast forward so you can see it. Uh, Just in in the midst of it, go to verse 16 of chapter 4, where he's going to say it this way. He says, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. We'll talk about it more when we get there, but to be honest, one of the things that makes us struggle is our physical bodies. They're dying. Like, it's not going well. Like, we we, we struggle with getting older and getting sick and and, and weariness. He's like, that's one of the things that leads to this, and there's a battle that you're going to fight just dealing with our bodies. Hey, more of that in a later study, but this morning, he's going to focus just on this battle of feeling unworthy, this battle with condemnation. This battle with this sense of feeling unworthy. Now, right off the bat, 
That shouldn't be a surprise because we absolutely know that this is a battle that we face with our adversary. This is one of the things the devil does, and he does it every single day against Christians, against Christians. Gives it to us this way in the book of Revelation. So the great dragon, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, the accuser of our brethren, of Christians, who accused them before our God day and night. Hey, we've walked through this verse before, so I don't want to walk through all of its aspects, but he gives us this glimpse into what the devil does, what Satan is doing, and he tells us he's doing it every single day. What does he do? He accuses us. He accuses us. He brings in condemnation. He accuses us of unworthiness. He accuses us uh, of condemnation, and it's a simple understanding, but this is one of the key aspects of understanding spiritual battle. Like, this is what he's trying to do, and he's doing it every day. If he's doing it every day, it's a constant struggle in the life of a Christian. It's a constant struggle in the life of a Christian because Satan is accusing us. So it shouldn't be a surprise. Like, of course he's going to do that, and if I can say it even this way, the sad reality is it works. Satan does it every day because it works. It eviscerates Christians. It robs us of heart and it keeps us from doing what God wants us to do. He gets us at the, at the heartbeat of it, gets us before we're doing it, so we stop doing it. He attacks us there because it works. Amy Carmichael said it this way, said, everywhere the perpetual endeavor of the enemy is, of the souls is discouragement. If he can get the soul under the weather, he wins. That's kind of what they described it in her generation. If you can get your soul just under the weather, he, he, he wins. He wins because he, he robs you of the heart to do it before you even find yourself doing it. So let's just think about this for a moment, and here's what I know. This is stuff that you struggle with. Now, I'm not trying to highlight it for anybody, but I'm just going to tell you, for some of you, you're going to be like, that was what my week looked like this week. So here's what happened. Maybe you sat down, and you were going to pray. You were going to pray for your family. You were going to pray for their salvation. You were going to pray for our church. You were going to pray for some missionaries. And you got right there, and then it happened. You just, you had this attack of unworthiness. Like, what in the world am I doing praying? What right do I have to pray? Like, I am such a, like, I, I have no business doing this. I mean, there's no reason that I should do this. And right there, there was a battle, and maybe you won. Maybe you lost. Maybe you got right there, and you're like, okay, I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to pray. Now, hey, I, I should just quickly talk about this. God does deal with sin in our life, and if there's rebellious sin, hey, that has to be dealt with. If it's a struggle with sin that we're always struggling with, hey, that still is something, but it's different. And in that space, he's inviting you to this place of finding mercy. Maybe you were going to get ready to share the gospel. You were getting ready to tell your neighbor about Jesus or your coworker, and you were so like, okay, I'm going to tell him, and you're getting right there, and then it happened. Like moments before you got there, you just, what business do I have? What business do I have talking about Jesus? Like me, I don't deserve this. I'm so unworthy. I'm, so, I'm such a lousy Christian. I mean, what? I, I should never open my mouth. And maybe you didn't. Or maybe you were serving. Maybe even this morning for some of you, you came here to serve. And, and you got here and then you were like, I, I need to hand in my resignation. I need to quit. I need to quit because what right do I have to serve Jesus? Like I have none. I should absolutely stop. I should just not be doing this. And that battle with condemnation was something that you have faced and you've probably faced it this week and maybe it won. 
I don't want you to be beat up by that. I don't want to say there's no condemnation in Christ. I just want you to understand the battle and then tell you what he's giving us here, that he's telling us, hey, in this space, that ministry, like mercy, we don't deserve to do it. It's not based on us. It's unearned. It's totally based in God. That the reason we get to serve him isn't because we deserve to serve him. The reason we get to serve him is because he's amazing, and he is merciful, and he is good, and he is great. And what we need to see at that moment is to understand that's the only reason we get to do anything. We don't deserve it. Now, here's the crazy thing. I think that makes sense to us. It shouldn't be too hard, but I'm going to tell you, even right now, not all of you are going to get it. See, if I sat down with you and we talked about God's mercy, and if you're a follower of Jesus and I asked you, so how are you saved? How did you gain this? You might tell me, I don't deserve it. God loved me. He loved me enough to give me a son. It was all mercy. It was all grace. And you totally believe that. But then when you start thinking about serving, you begin thinking, well, you know, I'm I'm trying to be worthy. I'm trying to earn that. I'm trying to gain favor. I'm trying to be worthy enough that God could use me. And you feel unworthy as if somehow you think you're supposed to earn God working in your life. You will never earn God working in your life. And it's a losing battle. It's a losing battle. If you're going to try to fight that place, you're going to lose it. And God's just telling us, that's not how you get to serve me. Hey, ministry, like mercy, it's a gift. We receive ministry in the same way we receive mercy. It's based on God. And that is part of its power. To turn the focus off of ourselves and onto Him. In fact, go on down with me. Notice what he's going to say in a couple more verses. We'll talk about it next week as we look at it, as he's telling us there in verse um, 5. He says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves bondservants for your sake. Wow. Like we're not, it's not about us. I, you know, I don't, I'm not preaching me. I, you know, I'm not here telling you that I'm great. I'm here telling you that God is great. And, and just to get yourself here, just to turn your eyes from yourself to God, it's amazing. I mean, I, I'm just going to tell you again how, how often it just goes badly for us. When we find ourselves focused on us, when we find ourselves, you know, focused on that, it's a losing battle. But if you can turn your eyes to Him. So let's imagine it this way. Let's go back to our scenario. Maybe you're going to sit down and pray. You're going to do some spiritual warfare, praying for your family, praying for our church, and then that attack happens. Boy, you're unworthy. I mean, you could enter into the argument, but you'll lose. It would be so much better if you just go, of course I'm unworthy. That's why I have Jesus. That's why I get to pray right now. I don't deserve this, but I get to do this all because of Jesus. And, and, and that opens up the door to pray. If, if you're going to serve Jesus, or maybe you're going to share the gospel, or maybe you're thinking about leading your family in devotions, and you're going to get there, there's going to be a space where you're going to be like, I don't deserve to do this. How can I sit before my family and open up the word and leave my family in devotions when I am such, you know, I don't deserve to do this? You don't deserve to do this. How much better if you go, of course I don't deserve it. It's mercy. I get to, I get to represent Jesus. And what I'm representing isn't my worth, it's his. I'm not telling people that I'm great. I'm telling you that he's great. And he's an amazingly glorious God. And so, I can do ministry out of his greatness, not mine. 
I can do ministry out of what he is that would enable me to go there. And that's what he's telling us that we can do, that you and I can gain this space where fighting against that attack, we can recognize it's entirely based on him. Let me give it to you in just a couple other verses that will maybe say it in a different way that will help it land. I think it this way in Galatians, Paul would say, let us not grow weary while we are doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Don't quit. It's always too soon to quit. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. I mean, hold on. Don't lose heart. Keep doing it because we don't want to grow weary. It's God's going to do good through the things he's calling us to do. Think about it this way in Hebrews. It would say, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. It's a great kind of admonition. We talked about this briefly when we did communion this morning, where he says, hey, fix your eyes on Jesus. Like, put your eyes on him. It wasn't about you. It was about him. I mean, the whole basis of us having salvation is Christ. And if we would consider him, both his example, but what he's accomplished for us, it would help us not to get discouraged. It would help us not to give in to that. Proverbs would say it this way, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. And I just want to say, true. The battle is a battle for your heart. The battle that is taking place right now that Satan is trying to work against you in this world is to eviscerate your heart, to, to make it so that you just have nothing so that you struggle with feeling like, how do I go on? How do I do that? How do I keep going? How do I? That's a real battle. And you're not alone. You're not the only one. And there's a way. There's a way to overcome. And one of the ways to overcome, especially when it comes to the battle, battle of condemnation, is to fit, take your eyes off of yourself and put it onto Christ and just admit, of course I'm not worthy. I am so not worthy to do anything. Like, if you're going to talk about worth, I should never. But Christ is worthy, and he has saved me, and he has enabled me so that all that I get to do is all about him. Everything I get to do is based on the incredible worth of Christ, an incredible weight that he is, and so he gives it to us again this way. Since we have this ministry, as we've received mercy, we do not lose heart. So let's think about this just for a moment. I don't know where this lands for you. I, I honestly don't know where it is, and it's probably different around the room. I'm hoping it's clear. I want to just tell you, you're not alone. I mean, if I've done one thing this morning that I've hoped to have done, it's just want to tell you, if you're struggling and you thought you were the only one, you are not the only one. And some of you are fighting this battle, and you're enduring. You haven't thrown in the towel. You haven't given up. You still pray, even though you feel unworthy. You share the gospel. You're serving in ministries. You're doing things for Jesus. You're trying to live for him. And I just want to speak into your life and say, hey, keep fighting. Hey, and when that place comes, when Satan condemns you and you feel that weight of condemnation, hey, recognize Christ. Just admit it. Don't, don't, don't try to win the argument. Don't try to pretend that you're worthy. Just admit you're not. And say, of course I'm not worthy. It's all about Christ, though. I get to serve Jesus because of him, because of God's mercy. And it will keep you going. But I know this, I'm probably speaking to somebody right now, and I want to say it kindly, but simply. You've given up. You have given up. Whatever it was, maybe it's the world that's around you, maybe it's your own failures, you've kind of kicked it into neutral. 
And you're kind of like, hey, when Jesus, I'm just waiting for Jesus to come back. That's just it. Like, you know, I mean, there were days I tried to live for Jesus, but I am so lousy at it that, you know, I think God's done with me. Um, I think he's quit on me, and he's told me that I'm just supposed to, like, sit in the, in the background and do nothing. Can I tell you, that's a lie. God, who started a good work in you, he is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus. In the most simple and clear way, if you're alive today as a follower of Jesus, he's not done with you. If you're alive today as a follower of Jesus, he's not done with you. He's, he's not done with your life. And, and he is inviting you to say, hey, let's, let's, let me live through you. Hey, it's true. Sometimes our sin, some of our failures will rob us of some opportunities. That's fine. I mean, not fine, but we may not be able to get them back. But he's not done with us. He is not done with us. And he is inviting you into a space where you could step forward and say, you know what, I'd, I'd like to pray and share the gospel and serve and do things for Jesus. I'd like to be an aroma of Christ in my neighborhood, in my workplace, and you can. You don't deserve it, but that's why he sent his son into your life, and I'm speaking to somebody right now that God is just inviting you to get up off the sidelines, to pick up the towel that you threw in and say, you know what? I quit, but God didn't. You know, I, 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 I stopped, but he hasn't. And he's telling me that there's a way that my heart can be re-enlivened so that I could not lose that heart, so that I could have passion, so that I could be used by God, so that I could still be in the fight till the end, till Jesus comes back. And I'm just inviting you to that this morning. I'm telling you in the most loving and gracious way, of course you don't deserve it. You didn't deserve mercy. But get back up. Get back into the fight. Get back into it and say, God, I want to live for you. I want to do what you've called me to do, where that's in my life, in my prayers, in my family, in my neighborhood, wherever it is you've called me to do, because that's what we're needing to do. And so he's telling us right now, hey, we have this. It's yours. It belongs to you in Christ. We have this ministry as we've received mercy, and that's how we don't lose heart. That's how we don't give up. That's how we don't quit. That's how we don't do that, and that's needed for us this morning. So why don't you close your Bibles, your notebooks, and let's just take a moment and ask for that. And again, I don't know where that is. Maybe it's in one of those spaces. Maybe you're recognizing right now that you are that person who's quit. I'm just inviting you right now to step into God's presence and say, God, here I am. Breathe life afresh into me. That mercy would just meet you and draw you to a place of saying, God, if you can work through unworthy, insufficient, you know, people who, who, aren't, who don't deserve it, I'm in. And just allow him to do that. Just make it a day that you could recommit to that. Again, if this is what you're doing and you're fighting that battle, just again, you're not the only one. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. But as we also close, I just say again this way. Maybe you're on the outside of this, and I don't know where this even lands for you. But I can tell you this. The mercy that we're celebrating this morning is mercy that God's holding out to you. Mercy that would bring your salvation. So maybe it's a moment for you to give your life to Jesus. And so we're going to take a quiet moment and pray. You're going to have a moment just quietly to pray about whatever it is. One of those spaces where this lands, I just invite you to do that. Whether it's surrendering your life to Jesus, whether you're just going to get encouraged to keep the battle that you're fighting, or maybe to get back in the battle if you quit, that you'd say, okay, God, I, I did give up. And I want to just recognize again, I don't have to. I didn't deserve it, 
but I got it. I have ministry as I've received mercy and that God would just meet you in a fresh way in that. So wherever that met you this morning, would you talk to him about that? I'll do the same and then we'll close in worship in just a moment. God, I think about it right now. You know us. You know every person here. You see right who we are, and you see right where we are. You see those who don't know you. And God, you and your mercy have extended that work of salvation. You're inviting them to your son. You're pleading with them to believe. Lord, and I just join that plea right now and I pray that you would draw these who are outside of this, that you would draw them by your mercy. You would draw them by your mercy into salvation. That by grace they would be saved. God, I pray for that for those here that don't know you. I pray again for those who know you and yet, honestly, God, they've given up. They've thrown in the towel. Like, they, they have lost heart. But God, you have not. And you're inviting them to pick, up, pick that back up and, and you want to renew their heart. Tell them how they can live a life without losing heart. God, I, I pray that they would hear this in a way that would just take their eyes off of themselves and put it on you. And help them to understand that we get to represent you not because we deserve it, but because you're merciful and gracious and you work through people just like us. God, for those who have thrown in the towel, I pray that you just help them to pick that back up. But then I come around my brothers and sisters who have not. And yet the struggle is real. Sometimes it's just surprising. Sometimes it just seems to be odd that the more we would seek to serve you, the more we'd seek to love you, that sometimes the struggle actually increases instead of diminishes. And I recognize the spiritual attack in that. I recognize we have a very real adversary. But I also recognize... You don't leave us to that. You tell us we can overcome that. We can overcome his attacks. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to do that even by this, by just knowing, getting our eyes on you, that we get to serve you not because of us, but because of you. We've received ministry in the same way we have mercy. God, strengthen hearts, strengthen lives here this morning effectively. Renew our hearts. I pray for that for me and for all of us here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
May God meet you in this space where the world is pressing in, where, again, where Jesus said the lawlessness would bound, your heart would be under attack, but it doesn't have to give in. May you be encouraged this morning and your heart be renewed. May God meet you in that. If you have questions, if you need to know Jesus, we're here after the service. Come on up, talk to us. But right now, let's worship. So why don't you stand? Uh, we're going to close with a final couple songs and just celebrate God's mercy in this moment and celebrate what he is. To that end, I just want to take a moment and bless you in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.